Hello and welcome to episode four of the Direct Design Podcast. Uh, in this uh, episode, I'm going to be talking a little bit about running um, your own freelance design business. So yeah, let's jump right into it and get going here. So um, the day-to-day running of a freelance business may not be super exciting, but it's just as important as finding new clients. If you aren't doing things like tracking expenses, taking care of yourself, you know, you'll risk burning out and you could fail in your business. So in this episode, we're going to talk you know, about some of the basics about setting up and running your business and we'll also... Uh, go over some strategies for raising your rates and avoiding burnout. Business registration. So make sure you register your business before you start anything. Um, I'm from, I live in Vancouver. I'm from Canada. So I know mostly, I guess, around the, the laws around working in, um, BC, which is the province I live in. So make sure you kind of look this stuff up in, uh, whatever state or, you know, different province you live in, um, across the world. So anyhow, in Canada, uh, you can register as a sole proprietor for about $60. Uh, this is a must to make your business legal, and it'll also allow you to write off business-related expenses when you do your taxes. So that's a pretty big deal, and um, we'll get into that a little bit later here. But um, yeah, so like expenses, once you've registered, I need to start tracking them. So uh, the type of expenses you can claim on your taxes will vary from you know country to country. Um, so again, you need to look this stuff up, and it'll even could vary from different provinces and states as well. So um, again, this is kind of a rough list, but you need to actually verify this in um, wherever you live. So anyhow, just use this information for reference, and you should probably talk to an accountant if you're just starting out to just kind of learn the rules of your where you live. Um, so anyhow, some of the items that you can consider um, tracking are things like uh, fuel for your car, car insurance, uh, car maintenance and repairs. If you have a car leased and you use it for business, like getting around to see clients, then you could also um, write off your lease. Parking, you know, general office expenses, uh, credit card interests on, uh, if you have a business card, which is like a business credit card, you can write off the interest on that. Business banking fees, uh, any donations you might make, your internet connection, uh, your business phone, your business cell phone, any advertising costs, uh, business entertainment. So if you were to say take a client out for dinner and you paid for it, you can write that off. Uh, business travel. If you need to travel to a conference or to see a client, um, that's another thing you could write off. Office maintenance, as well as office supplies, and then other just general business expenses um, that maybe aren't captured under a category but are for your business. Uh, things like postage expenses, um, hardware and software, of course. Uh, education costs. So if you take a course to like up-level your skills, you can write that off. Uh, professional services. So if you hire an accountant to help you out with your taxes, you could write that off. Uh, professional group fees. So if you join like a, you know, designer, um, council in your country or something like that, you could, um, write that off. Conventions, uh, business leases. So if, again, if you're leasing a car or potentially an office space, you could, um, write some of that off. Transit as well as office rent or office utilities. So that's a pretty big list of all things you could consider. Um, it's also important to remember too, when I talk about write-offs, People think like, well, if I buy you know a piece of software for a thousand dollars, do I get to write off that thousand dollars? No, you do not. You'll pay tax on that software, but you'll also pay income tax on your earnings, right? So, say if you make uh, say thirty thousand dollars a year, and then that means maybe you owe the government five thousand dollars in tax, um, you can lower that amount if you have write-offs to um, claim, right? So, if you had to, that out of the, you can lower the five thousand dollar a month. Part, but you can't just get a hundred percent back of the the money that you spend on things, right? So make sure you talk to an accountant about that as it starts to get a little bit more complicated. Anyhow, make sure you keep all your receipts. Um, in Canada, you need to keep all your receipts for the past seven years in case you were audited by the CRA. An expense tracking option you could try to is uh, Wave Accounting. That's what I use to um, 
do my work. It has built-in tools to help you track receipts and invoices. Um, it also has some built-in reports that are handy for seeing how your business is doing. My expense tracking system is much more analog. I collect all my receipts in a shoebox all year. When tax time comes around, I pull out the shoebox, divide the receipts by the categories I mentioned above, and I uh, create a Google spreadsheet and enter in all the amounts by category. Next, I use um, a software called Simple Tax, which is only for Canadians, again, to do my actual taxes. Uh, they have a good wizard tool that will take you through um, all the expenses to make sure you don't miss anything. When you're done, you can export your taxes and then submit them. Depending on the size of your business, you may want to use an accountant for this. It will cost you more, but it might be easier, and uh, you might just have better for peace of mind, too. Uh, banking. So after you've registered your business, I'd suggest visiting your local bank and setting up a business account. Most banks have a small business plan that shouldn't cost you more than $10 a month. Uh, I use the Royal Bank of Canada myself, and I think I pay about $5 a month. Uh, once you have the account set up, they'll provide you with checks in your business name, which looks professional. Um, you, you know, try to avoid mixing your business income with personal income. It's best to keep everything separate for taxes and tracking reasons. A business account allows customers to write checks to your business name too, which is nice. Uh, this is a simple step, but make sure you complete it early on. Uh, invoices. So one of the most important parts of your business is your invoice. There are several things you should include in your invoice, which I've outlined below here. So the taxes and business numbers listed below are specific to Canada. So you may need to look into this for wherever you're from. Uh, so some things you want to include are your business name and address, uh, your client's name and address, the date the invoice was created and when it's due, the invoice number, a line item for each part of the project, if you charged hourly, then the number of hours and the rate per each line item, the currency the invoice is issued in, and then thank the client for your, their business, um, the subtotal without any taxes, the tax amounts, if there are more than one, then a new line for each tax item. Uh, some taxes may require you to include the tax number for them, like the PST in British Columbia, Canada. So you would put that number next to the tax line item. Uh, grand total with all the taxes included, and then the payment methods you accept and how the invoice can be paid. Another important thing you need is to decide on your payment methods. As outlined above, you can ask people to make checks payable to your business and then deposit them in your business account. You'll also want to figure out a way to accept credit cards. The more payment methods, the better. This will help speed up payment from customers who are slower at settling up their bills. For credit cards, I choose to use PayPal. The customer can pay with as little as my email address, or I can generate a money request for them if they need it. Usually they don't, as most people have a PayPal account. Um, PayPal will take a small percentage, but that is nothing compared to merchant fees from a credit card company. Uh, do not set up a merchant account with a bank or credit card company. They'll rob you blind with service charges. If you're not a PayPal fan, you could also check out Stripe. Um, if you go the PayPal route, make sure you upgrade your account to a business one to unlock more features. There's no cost associated with upgrading, and it'll allow you to easily accept credit cards. Should I use contracts? So I don't use contracts for clients very often. I have a system for payment that is the same for all of my clients. If they don't want to follow the system, I don't take on their work. My system is pretty basic. I take 50% payment up front as a deposit to start the project. This is a non-refundable deposit. Then I take 50% due on completion of the project. I never work hourly for new clients, only for a flat rate. For existing clients that I trust, I will work on an hourly rate and allow them to pay me at the end of the job. New clients do not get this luxury. It'll take you getting burned once to stick to your guns on that rule. Asking for a deposit is critical because it will often expose bad clients before you do any work for them. If they're balking at paying a deposit, they will likely not want to pay you at all. Thank them for the opportunity, but politely turn on the work and move on. So how do I increase my rates? It's a common question I receive from designers. It's an ongoing problem, but not as hard to solve as you might think. 
Your client's average workday doesn't revolve around what you are working on. They're focusing on running and building their own business. Design is just part of that. Therefore, the last thing they want to do is babysit a designer or chase them for work that is late. You need to be dependable, the guy or the girl who always delivers on time. Believe me, it may not seem like a big thing to you, but it's one of the best services you can offer as a client if you want to plan to keep them. Anyhow, getting back to raising your rates, let's create a sample scenario. Let's say your hourly rate is $50 an hour and you'd like to raise it to $75. Now that's not an insignificant hike and your clients will definitely notice a difference. Instead of worrying about how they will react on their next quote, get out in front of the problem and let them know that the price of doing business has just changed. When you email or call them, you need to hit a couple of key points. Thank them for being a great client. Let them know why you are raising your rates and then let them know when the new rates will go into effect. That might not seem like much, but if you've doing, been doing a good job of being indispensable, that's all it should take. The reality of the situation is your client has an established relationship with you. They like you, hopefully. They know what caliber of work you are capable of, and they know you give excellent customer service. As long as you're providing good work and awesome service, the client is not going to want to go to the trouble of finding a new designer. They don't want to jump through all the hoops of finding someone new, testing out their quality of work and service. Bottom line, you're not selling your work, you're selling yourself. If you've been doing a good job of meeting their needs, they will not balk at the price increase. The exception to the rule here is there will be some clients who will have a problem with the rate increase. Much of the time, this might be small business clients who don't have a huge design budget. In these cases, if it's a long-established client, I would recommend offering them a discount. This technique is a judgment call and you need to make. Some of the factors you should consider are, are they a good client? Do they pay on time? Are they easy to work with? Do they provide you with a regular stream of business? If you answered to yes to one or more of these questions, I would recommend considering a discount. Good clients can be as hard to find as good designers. Reward your good clients by offering them a compromise. In this case, everyone wins because you still get to increase your rates and you make the client happy by showing them that you care enough to be flexible so you can continue doing business. As far as how much of a discount to offer, I'd recommend somewhere in the area of 10 to 25%. Uh, Let's talk about avoiding burnout. One reason freelancers fail is because they burn out. There's a ton of work to be done and potentially a good amount of stress if things don't go well. To avoid burnout, you need to take care of yourself by eating properly and taking breaks from the grind to recharge your batteries. Something simple you can do is just get out of the house to work. It's really easy to put your head down and not leave your house for a week when you're on a deadline. I'd encourage you to find a local coffee shop or somewhere in your neighborhood where you can work and get a change of scenery, even if it's only for an afternoon. Having the flexibility on where you actually do your work is one of the bonuses of being a freelancer, so make sure you're taking advantage of it. When you're having creative block or just need a break, it's also a good idea just to go out for a bit and walk. Getting back into nature can be a good way to calm your mind and refresh yourself. If you want to optimize this time, bring your camera with you. Snap some photos, which you could then use as stock photos later in a project. You might even develop a passion for photography, which can be a good way to bring in a few extra bucks on the side selling your photos at a website like photodune.net. If I'm feeling blocked or overwhelmed, that is a sign for me that I need to turn off the computer and do something creative with my hands. Personally, I enjoy painting and drawing. I've taken a course or two, but I'm no Picasso. However, you can apply design principles around color and contrast easily to painting. I find painting can really help me replenish my creative juices when I'm going through a design drought. The other advantage is you will produce a ton of work that you can use in your design projects. In the past, I launched a bootstrap portfolio theme and used photos of my paintings as the sample projects. This is great because I don't have to worry about licensing some stock photos and it also looks good. Diving into other mediums also helps you develop into a better designer. At the end of the day, design is everywhere, and learning to see and apply it in multiple mediums will increase your overall quality of work. Another important activity to avoid burnout is networking. This could be attending a conference or simply hanging out at a coffee shop with a friend. The danger with freelancing is that you lose out on those human interactions that you get at a regular job. You need to do your best to keep that up so you don't go insane. 
It's also a good way to keep meeting new people, which will indirectly help you grow your business. Remember to take care of your body and your mind if you want to be successful at freelancing. Well, that brings this episode to an end on uh, freelancing. I've got actually a couple more in this series that I'm planning on recording over the next week or so, and I'll get them up soon. All right. Thanks for listening and talk to you later.